that should be the start of the podcast. No, I already deleted it. <laughs> this is now the start of the podcast. We're okay, rolling. So I'll do this for the beginning. No, <laughs> don't. Oh, God. Those are so gross sounding. Hello. Hi. Um, Happy Oscars Eve. Oscars Day. Well, it's like five. Or is Eve before, the night before? Eve, what is Christmas Eve, Meg? It's the night before. Yes. Today is Oscar Sunday. It is. It's like Super Bowl Sunday, only bigger. And better. And more popular. Except not. So by the time you listen to this one, it'll actually be Thursday. But we're recording the day of the Oscars, and we're going to go watch those. Yeah, we are. We're going to a cool like watch party at an old theater uh, in town, so it's going to be really fun. Yeah, but we won't talk about the Oscars too much, because we're going to have a little special Oscars dedicated episode. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Colby made I, it I sound totally, like that was news to him, but totally, we talked about that. I totally knew about that. No, what I was going to say is maybe um, what, I, what I was going to propose is that at the end of this episode, we could just kind of go through quickly, like, what movies are nominated and, like, what we think. Yes. Like, what we think will win or, oh. like, what we want to win. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. We'll do that. So I am pulling up now Oscar nominees. Awesome. So today, in honor of the Oscars, our category is former best pictures. Yes. And um, sorry, I just do want to interject here that my phone just buzzed and I looked down at it. And my sister is driving home uh, from Kansas City. And my dad texted her, uh, texted in the group chat and just said, poop before you go. It will be embarrassing if you have an accident. And I just wanted to share that with the world. (laughs) My dad is a gym. Oh, man. He is. Okay. Sorry. I just felt that needed to be said. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So. Previous Best Picture winners. Yeah. What year did you do? I did 2001. Okay. Do you know what it is? Not off the top of my head. <laughs> Do you not have the list memorized? I don't. I did <laughs> 1977. 1977. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to do Casablanca, actually, but that movie's fucking long. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. You said, you said you wanted to do Casablanca, and I was like, oh, is that what you did? That's definitely older than 1977. <laughs> yeah, it's somewhere in the 40s. I wanted to do it, but it's a really long movie, and I had to watch my movie this morning hungover, and I couldn't. Good job. <laughs> Oof. Good so I did. I watched my movie, like, with a couple of drinks, and I was, like, tired, and so I did, like, fall asleep and have to rewind a little bit, but we're good. <laughs> I watched Annie Hall. Oh. Yeah, which I didn't realize it was that old. <laughs> Who directed that? Is it? Woody Allen. Yeah. Who's um, yeah, like a, a bit a of a problematic pedophile. guy. Yep. Uh, so I, I, I saw that on the list, and that's, like, why I didn't watch it. I know. But I'm I... not, not, to, not to, like... Shame you. I'm just oh, I'm that aware was of my thought process. Yeah, I, mm. I've always wanted to see it just because I've heard there's like some neat film techniques in there. It was pretty new for their time, mm-hmm. and we'll get into that. 
I'm like, I know he's a piece of shit, but also like American Beauty's on this and Kevin Spacey's a piece yes, of shit. I saw so, American Beauty on there and I was like, oh man, I love, like, I really liked American Beauty. And then I'm like, wait a minute, Kevin Spacey. I know. I can't, I can't watch it and enjoy it anymore. Like, yeah, it's sh- shitty that people have to be problematic, but Woody yeah. Allen's pretty well known for his directing and also marrying his daughter. Yep. So, so, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Annie Hall is a movie about relationships and falling in love. And Diane Keaton is the leading lady in this. And the role was written specifically for her. Okay. She there is the cutest thing throughout this movie. Like, she'll wear these ties and sweater vests and the, like, kind of brimmed is bolo hat, is that a thing? A bolo hat, like a little... A bolo tie is a thing. Oh. No, no, well, a bolo hat, is that a thing? I don't know, you can Hold look on. it up and I'm let me fucking, know. Like, I'm up here looking up Diane Keaton, Annie Hall, so I can see how cute she looks. And she then I'm going to look up a bolo hat. Don't worry, fam, I'm on it. She's very cute. Um, literally, the role is written specifically for her. A bowler hat. Bowler, okay. I wasn't totally... Bowler hat, yep. You're right. Totally wrong. Um, yeah, she's just very cute oh, and whimsical. I know. That's fun. Yeah, so at least we had her. And throughout this whole movie, Woody Allen is posing. His character's name is Alvy, and he's a comedian. And throughout it, he's posing, like, these really weird questions about, like, he's having existential crises throughout. And so what they will do is he'll be in the middle of a conversation and then he will directly, he'll break the fourth wall, directly speak to the camera about whatever existential crisis he's having in the middle of this conversation. So it was weird, but I really liked it. And for it to have been happening in the 70s, that just doesn't seem like something they would have been doing then. Mm-hmm. So, like, for, ex- for instance, in one scene, he's in line getting ready to see a movie and someone behind him is being like really pretentious having this conversation where he clearly does not know what he's talking about. And so Woody Allen's character, Alvy calls him out and then pulls him to the side because they're talking about like a director or author or something. And he's like, you have no idea what you're talking about. He goes, I'm a professor at Columbia. He's like, no, here, let me pull out the person you're talking about. So literally like this guy makes a cameo conversation and tells this professor at Columbia, he's like, yeah, you have no idea what you're talking about. You're wrong. And so then Woody Allen's character is like, wouldn't it be great if this could happen in real life? Like, you could just call people out on their shit and have the person that they're talking about call them out on it? It's really weird, but, like, he does that throughout. Yeah. And I, then... Just, like, um, it makes me, like, it just gives me the impression also that Woody Allen, like, loves to be right. Oh, definitely. Like, he's... He's a pretentious brat throughout too, but he's like a comedian. So it kind of softens the blow of like him talking about death all the time. So he's like death realist jury comedian. Um, and then Diane's character is like light, fluffy, whimsical. And of course, like it works, but it also doesn't. Um, another scene when him and Annie are first meeting 
it shows them they're talking to each other, they're having a conversation, but underneath it, there is text with their thoughts. Like, I hope this guy doesn't turn out to be a piece of shit like all the rest of them. And then he's like, oh no, I'm sounding like really dull and dreary and probably being intimidating. Or she knows I'm like talking out my ass. So it's, it's like a conversation about relationships with the audience while we're watching a relationship. Mm. So that's interesting. Yeah. I'd still, I mean, I'd definitely give it a watch for that reason alone. Not, not for Woody. Yeah. (laughs) We can just pretend it's not him. Yeah. I'll maybe consider it, but I also just feel like there are other movies that aren't him. (laughs) Yeah. And that are more worth my time. Yeah. Let's see. So plot wise, we just kind of go through the relationship and its stages. So like when you're first meeting someone and you're really into them and things are great and fun. So we see when they like first fall in love and admit they're in love with each other. Um, And around that time, he buys her these books about death. That's fun. Uh I love whenever a boy just like reminds me of mortality. Like that's, Kind of my kink. Yeah, me too. Woo. Getting, getting all hot and bothered just thinking about it right now. Um, they eventually move in together, and then their relationship starts experiencing some tension. Like, there's an iconic scene where um, they're talking about sex to like their therapist, and the therapist is like, "How often do you have sex?" And he's like, "Honestly, never. Like three times a week." And then her, it's like all the time like three times a week <laughs> yeah i've i've definitely heard of that scene i think yeah it's like That's juxtaposed right. to like a split screen just Did showing I say them it at the same time or like they like go between them got it that's, yeah that's, i don't that's kind of some of the text over or like the talking overlaps for bits but not like too much to the point that it's overwhelming and you can't separate what they're saying but yeah yeah and he Let's see. So they move in together. Um, They have to break up because they, like, are getting in fights. And Alfie, Woody Allen's character, finds her in the arms of one of her college professors, which he's the one that pushed her to go take, like, college classes. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you just don't think I'm smart enough for you. He's like, no, I just think education's important and that you could benefit from it, blah, blah, blah. So they break up. They are, like... They ask strangers about love a lot, which is weird. There's these conversations. So like a couple will be walking on the street and he'll just be talking out loud. And then the couple will join in the conversation and they'll have a conversation about love as strangers. One thing that's really funny is he asks this couple like how they make their relationship work. And deadpan, both of them are like, well, I'm just very shallow and don't have a lot of thoughts. And he's like, I am also very shallow. So that's why we work well, because neither, neither one of us wants more from the other. It's like... Jesus. Nice. <laughs> but they say it at like, like more intelligent. No. They're dead serious, uh, but it's told like intelligently, which kind of juxtaposes against like the fact that they're shallow, like a little dumb, and then they're having this like elevated conversation with this guy struggling with the truth about relationships, existentialism, all that. And then a little old lady comes up to him and like convinces him that he should go chase after her. 
but he doesn't yet. Um, he starts dating. He's having bad sex. And then, like, Annie calls him because there's a spider in her apartment, which we don't know why she tells him to come over until he gets there. But he's on the phone. He's like, I'll be right there. And he's like, so you need me to take care of a spider. Um, and then they get back together. They're talking with their therapists. Um, they fly out to LA together because Annie has the opportunity to like sing and be with a recording label and she wants to move to LA but he does not want to go to LA he's a New York man and hates LA so there's a scene when they're at like a healthy cafe and he orders like sprouts and some other like cliche LA kind of thing but from the 70s whatever those are um And so they eventually end up breaking up again, both decide their relationship's not working, um, and then are doing their own thing again. He's trying to recreate a romantic scene with, like, a new girl, and it's not the same, like, so he gets upset and goes back out to L.A. to try to win her back. And she's like, you know, I care a lot about you, but I don't think this is working. And so he's, like, getting ready to drive away. One of the jokes is, like, Annie's a notoriously bad driver. She drives really fast and, like, runs through red lights and goes in the other lane but still doesn't crash. And, like, he's the opposite, like, a very cautious driver, like, definitely playing on their relationship types. And so as he's leaving this restaurant where he just gets his heart broken, he accidentally goes forward into some trash cans. Then he reverses into another car. And then he goes forward and hits another car. Then he backs <laughs> up into another car. Well, it's funny because his dad had worked at, like, a bumper cart place. So it, like, starts. Yeah. I forget what the technique is, but it goes to showing the bumper cars and back to him and, like, overlapping those images. Hmm. Um, and he goes back to New York. He ends up creating a play um, about his, like, love for this girl and it not working out. And then he talks to the audience again, and he's like, well, I actually met up with Annie, like, since we had coffee, we had a lovely time, um, and, like, we kissed and said goodbye, and that was it, but, like, no ill feelings toward the other, and ends on, like, probably what's a really well-known quote and idea, but it's like, there's a story about this man whose brother's acting crazy and thinks he's a chicken, and... He tells his psychiatrist about it, and he's like, well, have you tried, like, taking him to the hospital, getting him checked out and taken care of? He's like, see, the thing is, like, I need the eggs, though. And so he's like, and I guess that's kind of like relationships. Like, we all just need the eggs still. So even though, like, relationships don't work out, a lot of times we end up hurt. Like, we still go back to them because we need the eggs. (laughs) so yeah it's a little dark but it's also kind of like optimistic like I felt good after I finished the movie and I don't I didn't for a second until he talked about this egg thing and then it made me feel better I'm like Mm. yeah you're right I guess (laughs) cool (laughs) so thanks Woody Allen you've solved love oh something I forgot to mention baby Christopher Watkins in this is he really? Are you sure? Yeah, it's really him. I, I looked it up. Uh, last last week, we did fuck that up. And by we, I mean me. 
<laughs> and it wasn't Christopher Walken. Are you positive? <laughs> it is Christopher Walken. Yeah, I looked okay. it up. It says right here, the cast, but he's Annie's little brother. He's only in it for like a second. They meet they meet each other's families. Weird. I it I I um I can't imagine Christopher Walken playing not like a an little, old man playing like a little brother. Like yeah, I mean he's still like a teenager, but he's definitely he's a teenager. I guess it's the seventies. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I mean he might be in his twenties, but yeah, he's younger. Yeah, that's why I had to look it up and be like, is Wild. that Christopher Walken? Because he's like wild. Okay, the seventies. The seventies also like seventy seven sounds like it's about twenty five years ago when that's not reality at all. It's like, like forty 19, years ago. Yeah, it's like yep, yep. Shit. Whoop. <laughs> forty two years ago. Damn. Wild. Yeah, I'm sure it won Best Picture because of like these techniques they were using because it was really yeah like different. artistic and different from what people were used to yeah for sure interesting and also diane keaton just does such a great job she's a delight and also at the time nobody knew how <laughs> big of a fucking creep woody allen is yeah i wonder when he i mean he always was but i wonder when he um more so was like whenever it came to light yeah yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, do you want to look up a review on Common Sense Media? I have one up. Um, I, nothing that nothing that's on Common Sense Media is like all that. Like nobody's all that upset about the movie or anything, which I kind of imagined. Um, I yeah, will nothing say, bad. I mean, there's sex, so that would be the only thing that might be. Yeah. Um, so what I'll say is, I found a review. That is titled, Yikes, no, no More Woody Allen for Me. Which this person, like their entire review is literally just um, like agreeing with everything I've been saying this entire time. Um, but <laughs> I wanted to pull a line and like ask a question. So here's a line that says, I tried watching the Ant movie. But when the princess ant might fall for the Woody Allen ant, I wanted to yell out, don't do it, he's a creep. Is Woody Allen in the movie Ants? Is that, like, a Woody Allen joint? Is it? Hold on, let's find out. I'll let you type, because we can hear my typing. You can probably hear mine, too. I just fucking slammed my hand. I think he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woody Allen, Sharon Stone, Gene Hackman, and Sylvester Stallone. What the <sighs> fuck was Ants, though? Okay, I Let's always, talk about I that. I always hated that fucking movie because the, the little ants and, like, their heads and their, like, spiny little necks, like, it all creeped me out so much as a kid. See, for whatever reason, we had ants and I did not see A Bug's Life until later. I know A Bug's Life is, like, Ants is the knockoff of A Bug's Life, right? Yeah. Bug's Life came first. But I saw Ants first. Mm -hmm. So I was like, what's this shit with Bug's Life? I don't think I ever liked either of those because the bugs, like, creep me out. Like, I hate it. I have, like, a fond nostalgia for Ants, and now I feel weird. He's the main ant. He's the, the worker ant. Damn. I couldn't even tell you the and plot of Ants, actually. Well, I could. It's uh, V the Worker Ant, Woody Allen, strives to reconcile his own individuality with the communal work ethic of the ant colony. 
So uh, literally, it's just um, a communist manifesto. <laughs> I mm. mean, wow. Okay, so that is um, Annie Hall. Did you want to, did you have any uh, Rotten reviews? Tomatoes? Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes Got a 97% on the tomato meter, 92% audience score. I almost called you out and said, wait a minute, it says 93%, and then I realized that I'm looking at Ant still. <laughs> <laughs> a soft, fuzzy, mildly diverting letdown. <laughs> <laughs> this is Woody Allen's signature film, arguably his best, and certainly his most popular. Allen, as a result of his exposure to Bergman, perhaps, has greatly matured as a filmmaking talent. Annie Hall is by far his most sophisticated, most emotionally complex film. Let's see. <laughs> um, and then Red Lats had this to say. I guess I just don't like films with Woody Allen in them. I tried to watch them, but he prattles on and on. <laughs> That's it. Like wow. he gave one star just for that. So that is Annie Hall. All right. 2001. So, yep. Um, You're probably not going to guess it. What genre is it? Drama. It's not Chicago or anything, is it? No, it's not Chicago. I was going to say, we already talked Chicago about that. Chicago was a Best Picture winner, isn't it? Yeah, Chicago is. There were some other ones I was like, That we've huh. done? Like Shape of Waters won. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a winner? It uh -huh. won? It won Best Picture. Wow. I Yeah, I knew it was up there for it. I didn't remember if it won. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 2001. Um, so, no, this one we obviously haven't talked about. Um and I don't think you're going to guess it. It's also, like, really not, like, <laughs> the kind of movie that I would, like, go for necessarily. But I did really enjoy it. Um, I've always heard about it, but I've never, like, I've never, ever gotten around to watching it. And, like, I didn't really know what it was even. Uh, it's A Beautiful Mind. Oh, Have you seen a beautiful I, mind? Yeah, I think I watched it in a psychology class with a yeah, Russell. Is have. it Russell Crowe? Russell Crowe, yep. That was, yeah, that's a really good movie. Yeah, you definitely would have watched it in a psychology class, though, because there's lots of psychology in it. Yeah. Um, I remember being upset because I liked his line of what he thinks it is, and then the reality sets in. I'm like, wait, uh -huh, no. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. No! This okay. was more fun the other way, Spoilers. but go ahead. <laughs> well, you're about to do that anyway. Yeah, so, okay, so this is, I believe it's a true story. It's a biopic, I think. Oh. Let me double check on that. I'm pretty positive it is, but let me hold up, hold up. I'm just, like, going, and I'm going to Google everything today and just be sure, because I am not going to misinform the beautiful people about a beautiful mind. Thank you for getting your typing in there. I want them to know what I'm doing, so I need to like click clack as loud as possible. Click clack moo, cows that type. Did you ever read that yeah. one? Yes, I did. Oh my god. What a good What a fucking <laughs> vibe. This is um inspired by the events in the life of John Forbes Nash Jr. Okay, mm -hmm. so this movie uh takes place in well it starts in nineteen forty seven and he is a graduate student at Princeton University, and he's 
just starting out. Um, and basically, like, you can just tell very early on that he is um, very, very smart, but also very asocial. Um, I mean, this guy cannot hold a normal conversation to save his life. Me neither. Um, and so, like, one of the first things that we see him do is, like, he's, like, he looks down and he sees this ugly tie that someone's wearing. And they're at, like, a picnic. And so he looks over and he sees, like, a lemon in the lemonade. And then, like, you just kind of see, like, I don't even know how to describe it, but, like, the image of the lemon, like, moves over on the screen and goes to the, that guy's tie and, like, matches up with the tie. And he says, there could be a mathematical equation to explain why that tie is so bad. And he says that to this guy. Um, so that's about how his uh, being social works for him. Um... And he believes that nobody that is working with him in the math program has been able to create a, like an innovative idea. And so he wants to come up with an original idea. And there's something specific that he wants to do. And I'm not a math person at all. Um, like, what does he want to do? He wants to do something. Like, something about, um, something about, like, explaining like movement and like inertia or something um like he's definitely like everything that he sees he's like turning it into a math equation and like he's like sitting there like watching like pigeons running around and so he'll be like scribbling on windows and like everywhere he goes he's like writing something down just to like try to make everything into like a math equation and so he goes through Princeton and everything goes like okay. There's kind of some like funny moments where like he tries like flirting with a girl or trying to pick up a girl at a bar and ends up getting slapped because he says something stupid. He said um, like he literally like tries to pick up this girl and he says, I could buy you a drink, but if this is all just about fluid exchange, then let's just get to it. Something like I like I probably like botched that quote, but like it's something like that, and she slaps him. So which kind of warranted. You would. Um, and so hold on, can I turn on a light real quick? It is dark. Sure. Yeah. Light. Cool. Yay! Leave that all in. That was <laughs> good. Um, okay, so. Let's see. Sorry, I just also have, like, the plot synopsis pulled up on the computer, so I don't botch this, and that was a genius thing I did. And so, yes, yes, he has a breakthrough paper on game theory, which I wouldn't have been able to tell you that's what his paper was about, uh, except for this review. Does it say what game theory is? Uh, game theory, like... Well, because he's, um, it's basically, like, literally about games, I'm pretty sure, because I think it had to do with, like, I don't know if you remember this, but, like, he's playing, like, Bridge or something, and he got really upset because he lost and he shouldn't have lost, uh, because he, like, 
should he like in his mind he should have had the right solution and he still lost mm-hmm. um so i think it's like literally about playing games okay like, that kind of sounds familiar yeah um but so uh, up until he writes this paper, he really hadn't done anything in his classes. Uh, like he hadn't even gone to his classes at all because he just thought it was a waste of his time when he could have been doing other math by himself. Right, and, and he's he was too really smart like, for them. He's really like prolifically studying and writing and doing math, but he's not going to his classes or doing the schoolwork that's going to help him, you know, do anything with his life. Um, and so he writes this paper and they're basically like, with a breakthrough like this, you can get any placement you want, basically. And so he gets a position at MIT at some laboratories, which I think are like defense laboratories. And, um, then in 1953, sorry, I'm trying trying not to be like so robotic by like looking at this. But also, like, it's really helpful to have it in front of me to, like, make sure I'm getting the, um, the, the facts right. Yeah. I need yeah. to know it's 1953 yes. as opposed to 52 because that yeah, would just be does, some shit. Does. Well, okay, so you know that some time has passed. It's been, like, what, like six years since the start of this film. Something like that. Okay. <laughs> sure. So he, he gets a job at MIT and then... The Pentagon contacts him and asks him for some help with some code that they receive. And uh, basically, the code uh, that he is, it's a Russian code, and he's like basically hired to break it. And he's like standing there, like staring at walls. And, um, and so he, uh, like, figures out the code and is able to break it and just finds out, like, about, like, some Russian bombs or something. And so he's able to, like, protect America from that by breaking this code. And um, so also, in the meantime, he has a student named Alicia and Alicia is, oh, what's her name? Jennifer Conley, um, which she's just, like, very pretty. And, like, I've, I've seen her in some other stuff. I think she was, like, the mom in Stuck in Love. She's, um, and she's not, or uh, he's just not that into you, which I watched recently. Oh, God. I watched that movie in theaters and, like, remember absolutely hating it. How was what? It? I loved it. Okay, maybe, like... Maybe I need to give it a rewatch. Maybe it was middle school Colby just being a bastard. Um, (laughs) You never know. So, anyways, Alicia is his student. And she just kind of catches his attention by, like, on the first day of class, like, everyone's super hot and they have the windows open. Um, and by super hot, I mean like in the heat sense. No, the, I was like, they all the, look great. The porn sense. All these phys- uh, in the porn sense. Like the Good teacher student porn. It's it's sure. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm giving you a hard time. Yes, I'm such a pervert for knowing about that. Um, <laughs> Colby really likes his teacher student porn. No. Um, so, anyways. So, wow. Everyone's super hot in the classroom. Everyone in the temperature is super warm. Sense. 
And um, yeah, there's someone, there's people jackhammering outside the window. So uh, John tells them to like close the window because he can't hear himself think if the jackhammer's going. And so like right after that happens and the windows are closed, she like gets up and goes over to the window and opens it. And he's like, miss. And she just yells out the window like, hey, we're trying to have a class here, but it's also super hot. So could you guys work somewhere else for 45 minutes? And the construction workers are all just like, uh, uh, sure. Yeah, we could do that. It was like, that wouldn't happen, first of all. Like, they would not say yes to that. But if she was pretty. She was hot. So maybe. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, they go work somewhere else. And John just goes, Ah, oh, see, there's multiple solutions to some problems. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, yeah. Then, John, so remember, he has um, basically um, broken his code for the government, and um, he takes Alicia to a governor's ball for, like, a date. And he gets this job, basically, where he has to leave these envelopes in a secret drop box. And they take him and they put a chip in his arm. And the chip basically has, like, a code on it that he can only see under, like, UV, like, blue light, you know? Um, it's UV blue light. If they make that, the black light. You mean yeah. blue is vodka? <laughs> I was totally with you though. I'm like, yeah, yeah, the UV blue. I'm very familiar. Um, <laughs> it's that color though. You're right, it is. But yeah, I'm talking like a black light. <laughs> it's only visible. And it changes also due to like some enzymes or something, is what they tell him. And so he'll like walk up and put his arm under there. And he's just, um, so he. He keeps on having to do this, and it's, like, top-secret government information. And um, he's also, like, being watched this whole time by this, like, man in, like, a hat. And he asks at one point, like, who's Big Brother? And um, this guy is just, like, following him, and he talks to him. Like, this guy's actually also, like, who gave him the job to like put the envelopes in the drop box so he's um he's doing this and um he's also like courting alicia and they end up getting married and having a baby and or actually she's pregnant and um so the guy that is like um watching him so john like takes like one of the envelopes to the drop box and he's putting it in and then he turns around and this guy is like pulling up in a car real quick and he's like get in the drop has been compromised and so he gets in the car and they're driving super fast and they're getting shot at from behind and and so John's freaking out and the guy like asks him to like take the gun and shoot um and he's like I'm not gonna shoot and uh so like the other guy um like, shoots out the other car, and they go into a river and die. Um, and so, John just, like, goes home after that, and he's, like, obviously, like, 
super upset and he's like shaking and his wife is like what's going on like um like he like had been gone and he hadn't called her he hadn't been home and so she's upset but he just like goes off past her and like closes the door and she can like tell that he's super upset and she's like what's going on open the door let me in um and so he tells the guy that gave him this job like I'm not doing this anymore, like, um... This, he has a like, family I, on the way. Yeah, like, my, my son is coming, and the guy's like, well, you don't really have a choice in the matter, like, if you do this, you're gonna be, like, if you quit, you, you're killed, like, we're gonna kill you, basically, because uh, he knows too much, you know. Um, and so... This is honestly where it gets slightly hazy because I fell asleep and had to go back and rewatch. Um, yes, yes, okay. So he um, he's just getting like more and more paranoid about the entire situation, and he's at a conference, and um, he's giving a speech, and he sees these two men in black suits that are like coming up to him. And, um, so he's basically, um, blah, 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 blah. So he, oh yeah, so he runs off and then he gets trapped outside by the two men and he gets drugged. And when he wakes up, he's in a psychiatric hospital. And so while he is in there. I just remember being so upset. I was very upset, too. I, like, I honestly, like, thought that this was just, like, an intense, like, kind of, like, spy movie or something that was going on. I know. Down. I did, too. But we're watching it in psychology class, so you'd think my ass would have caught on to something. See, but yeah. I'm just, like... Oh, fun movie day. <laughs> I mean... Fun movie day. Nothing to do with psychology. Honestly, who our teacher was, that's, that wasn't that, that far of, of a yeah, stretch. Yeah, I believe so. it. I mean... But it's also called A Beautiful Mind. Yeah. Yeah, but so he's like a mathematician. True. Maybe it had to do with the way that his psyche, psychology worked to make him so smart at math. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks for giving me breaks in terms of like, this isn't just an intense spy action movie. Yeah. So what do we find out? We're in the psych ward. So um, his, his wife basically um, comes and the doctor says... John suffers from schizophrenia. And so basically all like I think I I think that he actually did break the code. Right? Like the code that was like written on the walls. Like I'm not positive on that, but I think he actually did that. But all of like the Dropbox stuff, that was just john doing that like he wasn't actually like contracted by the government to do that right yeah um, and that's what's super upsetting because you know he's put so much work into it and it turns yes. out there wasn't like instruction there it's just all things he's created exactly but he's and really so, smart so too. someone had also given his wife all of these envelopes and said like this is what john's been dropping in my mailbox and they hadn't done anything about it because they thought it was pretty harmless, but, I mean... Um, it's intense code and equations and... Yeah, so, um, anyways, um, 
So yeah, um This is good podcast music. I'll cut out this little break. <laughs> nope, I'll just keep it silent. <laughs> um While you were just reading, uh-huh. um, I think for Oscars stuff, we should do it like with our Oscars episode and do like a little before and then an after. So like separate things, because okay. otherwise this episode will release on Thursday. And we already released something talking about the Oscars. That makes sense. So wait, when's the Oscar thing going to release? Hopefully tomorrow. I might just like not edit it and just throw something out there. And oh, show. yeah, that works. Yeah. We can just say that we're not going to do any editing on it. Yeah. That works. Okay, cool. This is all in here too, just because yeah. I'll cut her out. Yeah, this one will get edited. Sorry, I'm just also like. No, it gets confusing. Oh, yep, 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 yep. Okay. We're back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, while. Um, so, uh, the wife uh, tells him basically about these like ma- uh not magazines these um envelopes that he's dropped in the mailboxes and that she has them and john um becomes afraid that she's part of the conspiracy and yeah. so he digs into his arm to try to tear out the like um chip the, thing. yeah the the implant um so that he can say, like, no, like, this is in me, you know. But obviously there's nothing there because the chip was never there in the first place. And so he starts to go through some shock therapy that's been prescribed, and this is pretty intense. Um, it shows him, like, strapped to a bed and, like, shaking, and his wife is, like, up in an observation room where she can see in while he is, like, it looks like he's having like a seizure because he basically is. Um, and so she can watch all of this and she just basically goes, how long? And the doctor says, it's something intense. Like it's something like six times a week for 10 weeks or something. Um, but he goes through it. Um, and he moves with his wife to Princeton and is just unable to like care about his wife or anything because of his medication um and so he's just um he's just like not really like doing well and so he stops taking his pills and his wife is just doing everything basically to take care of her or to take take care of him and the family um because their son is like also there um And so um, she basically, like, goes into the barn that they have and finds it. I mean, it looks like a detective show when they have, like, you know, like a map or something with pins and yarn, like, traced to everything. And so she realizes that he's really not well again. And so she runs into the house real quick and finds him, like, basically just, like, by the window and the bathtub is running and their baby is in the bathtub crying and 
very close to having its face covered up with water. Oh, and so I she saves about... Yeah, it's it's very sad and so she saves the baby and like yells at him. Um and um so yeah, John basically like at this point, um what does he do? Sorry. It's okay. It's a lot. that Because you have to it's separate like what's reality. Part. Yeah, of, this ending part. Or the movie and his reality versus, like, what you're seeing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So then after, like, after she has the baby and she starts yelling at him, he pushes her down. And so she runs away with the baby. And, um... He um, he realizes that one of the visions that he has, which is this vision of a little girl, which is his college roommate's niece, that little girl never ages, and so it can't be real. And so he starts to kind of recognize like his, like what he sees is not always reality, and um, just he kind of starts to like try to confront those things and say like basically like you're not real um so he'll say that to like the little girl instead of going up and like hugging her every time he sees her um and so he's still working at Princeton and they kind of um he kind of like goes through some things where he um he um he has like a breakdown basically because um He's just getting really stressed out and he goes outside and there is that guy, like the government guy, like the big brother guy with the hat who was never like, um, never there in the first place. And this guy is just like yelling at him and, um, basically just, um, calling him a coward and all of this. Um, and so, um, it just, and, like, all of this is happening, and, like, the students are watching it and, like, laughing at him and yelling at or, like, laughing at him, like, yelling things out at him. Um, but his old roommate from college, like, pulls him out of that, and he's able to get out of there. And so, basically, like, what he's just able to do for the rest of his life is um, just see these visions and, like, recognize that he sees them, but that they're not real. And so, um, yeah, so he um, goes on to win the Nobel Prize, which was kind of really cool, um, but also, uh, like, before they gave it to him, um, someone came and, like, met with him and interviewed him, like, basically to make sure that they're not just giving, like, some quack, quote-unquote, like, the Nobel Prize, um, and it was very cool, and it, the movie ends with him at the Nobel Prize, like, um, award ceremony, I guess, basically, and, um, he says, basically, in his speech, it's, like, all he talks about is his wife, and she's out there in the crowd, and he says, 
only the mysterious equations of love hold logic. Oh. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Good. I would. I couldn't remember if like things work out with him and his wife, and I was really they nervous. Do, yeah. To... Well, yeah. I love him and his wife, and his wife is like, just like super like sweet with him through the whole thing, and like very understanding, even though like the real yeah, hero. Yeah. Everything that's always happening, and so I don't know. I love that story. I, I thought it was a very good movie. Yeah. I know we had to watch it in parts, so I'm pretty sure like we'd have to end after like some really or pause after some really intense upsetting things and then you're just feeling like shit for the next day because it's like fuck he's i always hated in college whenever they would like have you watch a movie in class and it's like you have to stop in the middle because it's like i don't really want to stop but i also don't want to be in class like i wish that you would have just like assigned this movie or something to watch yeah yeah anyways i do have a common sense meteor review that i think is uh, kind of funny, and just I don't know if this person has ever met anyone that has uh, any like, sort, of, any mental sort health. of mental health issues at all. Yeah. So, this is a parent of an 11 year old who says that this movie is okay for age 14 plus and two stars. Is this a real mathematic? The man who is a crazy person was struck in. Oh. By his ability to watch a circumstance, connect the dots, and make a mathematic problem or equation for the audience. And they watch this and this. This man, who is super smart, must be a genius. And he stands to this day. That's a question. And he stands to this day. So we now know he has because the crazy person. And he lost his job. And broke apart with his love of his life. The circumstance of his life is not one to show a child. Because what if they become inspired? (laughs) What? (laughs) Yes, I'm inspired to be depressed and anxious. I've been inspired by a beautiful mind and now I have schizophrenia. (laughs) What the fuck? Jesus. Oh my god, that's so naive. This is why lunacy is such a danger. And that's the okay. review of The Beautiful Mind. Fuck, they just solved mental health. Yeah. We just shut it all out, and then it, it won't be around anymore. Yep. As long as there's no way to consume it, it won't be real. Yeah, that's true. Yikes. I also like all the like grammatical errors that were present throughout <laughs> and weird punctuation it seems like they used. Is this a real mathematic? A real math I I don't feel like that's a noun, but okay. So <laughs> mathematician. I'm not- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's what it is. No, I know that, but I'm I like yeah, you maybe, know, maybe mathematics is a um, is like the discipline. I know. So I was like maybe no, it's, it's just not. I didn't think so, but like maybe I'm just I don't know. Okay. Tomato meter, we got a seventy four percent, but audiences gave it a ninety three percent. Yeah. It's not a crime for the script to gloss over the thornier aspects of Nash's story, but the film seems totally unconvincing, squeezing a real life into a formula that's simultaneously more palatable and less interesting. 
Oh, and also screenwriter Akiva Goldman's Goldsman's clever solution to turn the story of a troubled academic into a Hollywood thriller. How? He makes things up. So mm-hmm. I don't know what um, we exaggerated. The audiences are more positive, though. I was going to try to find like a negative audience review, but yeah. we'll go for this one. Well, it's good to hear that audiences like it at least. Like, if, they don't really care about the critics. Yeah, I guess if you don't mind the fact that this Oscar winning biography alters the real story considerably, it will certainly be a wonderful experience. Well, here's the deal I don't know the real story. <laughs> the real story is what Colby just saw the mm-hmm. end. So, um, that is um, a beautiful mind. I really dug it, and I recommend it. Let's see, what are some other Oscar Best Picture movies? We can just talk oh. about that, some of the winners. Oh, Wasn't some it, of the previous winners. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it um, last year, was Moonlight last year or two years ago, where they like two. fucked up and... Gave yeah. something else the they title. They gave um, La La Land, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. they did. And then they the cast La La came. La Land was going to be the winner. The cast came up, and then they were like, oops, just kidding. Who who was announcing that? I don't know, but it was very close to when, like, the Steve Harvey thing happened with Miss America. So it was just like. Yes, with Ariana Gutierrez, who was amazing on Celebrity Big Brother. <laughs> Loved her. So it's. Funny, because after that, I saw this whole article about how this proves, like, we live in a fucking um, computer simulation. Like, these glitches are supposed to be hints at, like... Oh, my God. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Okay. I am going to go... I'll start... We'll start with 91. We'll just say ones that are notable. So, Silence of the Lambs won. I was very tempted to talk about it. Um, I love Silence of the Lambs. Forrest Gump also won, which... Yeah, Forrest Gump is great. I've actually never seen Schindler's List, which won in 94, which is my birth year. Yeah, mine too, um, thank you. Titanic yeah. won in 97. Then you Shakespeare... have a different list than me, because your list is like a year earlier. Mine says Titanic won 98. Well... Whatever. <laughs> I guess it's because, like, technically the Oscars happen, like, the year after for all. So, like, it's 2019, but these are for the 2018 ones. So that's yeah. probably where the disconnect is. Yeah, we've got American Beauty. Um, we have Gladiator. we got A Beautiful Mind. Chicago. Chicago. Lord of the Rings, which is an interesting, the fact I mean, that that one. worthy, but... It's, yeah, it's like if Harry Potter won. <laughs> yeah, Million Dollar Baby. Crash, which I have. Uh, I had to watch Crash for a sociology like intro course, which I took my first sociology course online as a high school senior. Mm-hmm. And me and my best friend in high school took the class at the same time. And so we had, like, an independent study where we were, like, doing this class on our computers. And we had to, like, go ask, um, like, the computer lab, like, computer science teacher if we could use one of the computers to watch this movie. And there is a lot of sex in this movie. <laughs> um, and we were watching it in, like, 
there's basically like this little like office in between the two computer labs in my high school and we were watching it in there and this kid <laughs> that we were friends with comes up to us afterward and he's like what were you guys watching in there with so much sex? <laughs> and, like, the the teacher would, like, keep walking in and there would be, like, tits on the screen and we were so uncomfortable. It's well, like, yeah, we you're in know. high school and it's for a class, so. Yeah, we didn't know. Um, we watched it at home. We have The Departed, No Country for Old Men, Slumdog Millionaire. My dad's obsessed with No Country for Old Men. It's, like, a favorite movie. I know a lot of people like it. I haven't seen it. Slumdog Millionaire's good. <laughs> the Hurt Locker, The King's Speech. I know people love this. I was so bored I've in The King's Speech. I've never watched it, actually. I saw it with... Damn, who am I? I saw it on a date. I think it was one of my, like, first dates, too. Because he, like, held my hand, and that was a huge deal. Gross. Aw. The Artist. Argo. 12 Years a Slave. Birdman. Birdman. I remember people being upset about Birdman winning. I forget what was up with it, but Spotlight was another one that, like, surprised people that it won. I loved Spotlight. It's so fucked up. I know. Moonlight slash La La Land. Okay, Moonlight's such a good movie, though. Yeah, no, definitely. Oh my god, I also like found out that what uh, what Moonlight is based on, I it's based on a play which is called um, "In Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue," and I think that's really pretty. Ooh, that's what the play's called, or that's a line. That's what the play's called. Okay. I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Ooh, I'll have to read that. Okay. So, yeah, so, that's that, and we're going to move on real quick and uh, cut this one off so we can do our Oscars, which you'll have already listened to. Yeah, so that's not confusing, but yeah. if you want to send us some categories, you can do that to our face page or Twitter, at OneFilmClassPod, and email OneFilmClass at gmail.com, and for us personally... You can find Colby at... At Colby D. Cox on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find my kitty. He's at Vito Kitty <laughs> on Instagram. Yep, and he doesn't tweet yet. He's working on it. <laughs> no, nah, he's working on figuring out how the little keyboard works. Yeah, the no opposable thumbs thing's kind of hard on him. Aww. And <laughs> you can... Okay. Quick aside, I saw this video today of a dog watching the scene in The Lion King where Mufasa dies, and the dog is just, like, crying about it. He's like, This is going to be a live-action Lion King. Well, not live-action, oh. like, CGI. <laughs> I'm excited. Live, yeah, they trained the lions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They trained the lions. And, like, <laughs> the you killed the other lion now? In the, in the live-action Lion King, like, Peter, like, definitely does not approve because there have been so many animal deaths in this movie. For real. Um, you can find me at It's Meme Grit, and my doggy is Radley Doggo. So thank you all for listening. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs>